Well, I am Guy Calloway. Many of you guys know my sister. Um, so you have some sort of predisposition to me one way or another, good or bad. And so I'll leave it at that and let you make that decision. Um, but I'm here to uh, teach the first chapter of Jonah. And just so you guys kind of know where this journey began, um, it's real interesting. We're talking about the call of Jonah. And uh, as I've studied through Jonah with Steve, you know, it kind of started with a little bit of me where I was searching a gentleman that I go to church with asked me, he's like, have you, are you involved in any men's Bible study? I'm like, no. He's like, you ever done one in the morning? No. I'm kind of thinking about it, but I don't know anything about it. And I was like, and I, I thought about that that day, and I was like, he may not be one that would lead it, but I might be. I'm willing to stand up in front of you guys. I'm, I'm willing to stand up in front of people and, and lead that, but could I do that? So I came to Steve to ask him, I'm like, you're, you know, I've looked up to Steve, known him since I was little, and I was like, you'll have some resources, give me something I can do, and give me, give me something, and we'll just kind of go. And he's like, okay, well, why don't we start meeting? So it came to this, and we started going through this, and then he's like, okay, now um, I want you to come and teach it. And I'm like, whew, okay, well, so we're here. And so that's what, what brought us to this um, and Jonah, a lot, lot in my life runs with Jonah. So uh, he, him and I, I think we're, we're meant to be friends. And, and I think we'll kind of begin to see how Jonah, Jonah's alive and, and all of us along the way. Um, I want to start with a little example and something we do um, for a, a leadership teaching. And, and I know how everyone loves math, so I'm going to start a Bible study with math. And it's just a... a a formula, you know, and sometimes they call it a formula for life, but it's E plus R equals O. And E is an event that happens in our life. E could be me walking out this door. E could be me standing here right now. I can't control E. I don't control the event that happens. Um, the O is outcome. I don't control the outcome either. The only thing I have control over is the response, and that's the R. And that's... Um, if we ever want to change the outcome, we have to look at the R. We have to, when we, an outcome happens, that outcome then becomes another event. And now how do we respond to that? It's going to determine what that next outcome is. And in Jonah, we're going to see how Jonah made some responses that impacted the outcome. And it didn't match up with what God wanted the outcome to be. And we all find ourselves sometimes in that place. And in that response, we have two choices. And we can choose to um, go by sight, which is what, what we do too often, I do. We can go by faith. When we go by sight, we become conforming to the world. And at that point, we begin to live in fear. We begin to have anxiety. We begin to um, be discouraged because we're living according to the world. If we go by faith, that's when we see grace. That's when we're transformed with grace. We're given ultimate peace by giving, by following, um, by following through faith. And if we make those decisions, God opens doors and will lead us, lead us to some unfounded places. Led me to be here at this point. So that's where we have our, um, where we become closer with God. And as we, as we begin to make those decisions throughout the day, because it could be. Um, 
can it can be little decisions. This is not we're not talking all earth shattering decisions. It it could be how we greet somebody. You know, it can be little things. Are we are we looking at those through faith? And it gets into the big big decisions we make. Do we grab our Bible in the morning and read it? Do we give the day to the Lord? So that's where that's where we sit, and um, we'll kind of look at how how those things impact. So we're going to open up to Jonah chapter one, and I will give. Um, we'll just we'll just go right there, right into it. So um, in the first verse it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And I'm going to be honest. There was time before I began studying and really looking at that. I would have gone, great, son of somebody. Doesn't. Where, where, where's that? What does that mean? The one thing that I came to, came to find is looking at that. That verse has some real meaning. God knows who we are. God knows where we come from. God knows my dad. God knows my grandfather. God knows my great-grandfather. God knows me all the way back to the beginning of time. And that's what God's saying. You're a person. And Jonah was somebody I cared for and knew all the way back. So that's, um, that's important. That's a, a biblical truth there for us. So as we... Um, and we and we first see Jonah, and this is where we see that is he's a he is a prophet, and we see that in Second Kings chapter fourteen, where he does um, where he's first introduced us. So he's he's a prophet, not just another guy, and this shows where his um, some of his historical value as well. There are a lot of people that look at the book of Jonah, and we're not sure where how to classify it. Was it you know some people try and put it as mythology, and some people put it in different categories, but. Jonah's got historical basis, and as we also will talk about a little later, Jonah makes reference, or Jesus makes reference to Jonah, so um, to give some credence there. So as we move into um, verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So the city of Nineveh, as I, again, going back, kind of looking at that in uh, Genesis verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 11, is where Nineveh is first introduced in the Bible. And it is introduced as Noah's ancestors are the ones that started the city of, city of Nineveh, which gives some reason why God is showing... Um, is wanting to send and is concerned about the wickedness since the um, from that land went to Assyria where he built Nineveh um, is the verse there in Genesis ten eleven. So, um, you know, as we as we may know the story in uh, Noah, you know, Noah and the Ark. That's where um, Noah's family was good, right? Noah's family was the one that God rebuilt the Christian community in. So this city of Nineveh should be. You know, it should be a strong, faithful community. And as we find out, this city is corrupt like none other that we can, can imagine right now. I mean, they are they're cruel. Um, if they were coming into Springfield to attack, there are many towns that would put up their white flag and say, we're good, come on in, just take it, have whatever you want, just don't hurt us. 
Because they would literally skin people alive and they would do cruel and they were true barbarians. So, I don't know, you guys thinking, you know, God's calling you to go there? You're going to jump right on that boat? You know, are we going to, I mean, maybe we will jump right on the boat and go the other way. That was, <laughs> anyways, so, um, it was one of the largest cities at that time, three-day journey through it, and in chapter, uh, in chapter four in Jonah, uh, it's, God mentions that there are 120,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left. And that's an easy verse again to kind of skip over and took me learning a little more there. But what God's talking about there is not dumb people, because that's what I read it as. I was like, oh, dumb people that don't know the Lord, you know, right hand from left. See, God wanted to save Nineveh because that's talking about children. And a lot of times they say under the age of five that didn't know the right hand from their left. So if there's 120,000 children at that age, think about the adults and all this. And, and what God is looking at is he may not have been able to save the parents, but if he had to reach down to the children's, that's, that's a generation, you know, generation to save there. So um, that's why this was a very important call for Jonah. I do, we will go ahead and turn over to um, Matthew, because here... Jonah's given, go to the great city of Nineveh. This was not an, not an option. This was a rise. This was go. Just as we are called, Matthew 28, um, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission. And there we are called to go and share the, share the good news of the gospel. Um, All right, so it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we are called just like Jonah has been called. You know, we weren't called directly to Nineveh, but we've been called um, to do it. Now, we've got, we've got some learning to do from uh, do from Jonah because he's he was called and um, we're going to see what what his response was real quick here on that and so all this is said and the first word on the next on verse three is but and I you know there's several buts throughout this or insteads however and. With my wife in the room, I'm going to say, this next part that I'm going to tell you, gentlemen, please do not use in an argument. It can only make things worse. But whenever you say the word, but, however, instead, you know, when we use those words, we're saying whatever came just before that doesn't matter. So you look good, but I don't like red, you know. I mean, what we're doing. So, so what we're saying is all this <laughs> All this was done, all this was done, and then, but. So we're throwing the word, you know, right there, it's but. So we're saying, yes, God called it, God did that, but. Jonah ran. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard 
and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That is completely taking an about face. Jonah's a, a prophet, and he's saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, I'm not going to Nineveh, their, um, their cruel people, and I think they deserve what's coming for them, and I don't want them to have your grace. That's what he says right there. He just says, Nope, and I'm going to go the other way. And he, he takes, and we can go back and look at the, the fall, the first sin, whenever um, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of, um, good and not, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And at that time, when they heard God come back to the Garden of Eden, they hid. And this is where Jonah's going. He's like, I'm, I'm hiding, I'm done, I'm running. I'm going to Tarshish, and a little bit about Tarshish, it's a little unclear where it is. Um, it's outside the Straits of Gibraltar. Some say it's a year's journey away. So he's not just going away. He's not just turning a little bit. He's saying, see you later. I mean, in our world with travel, I'm going to put that into saying I'm going to the moon. I mean, because we can get around the world real fast anymore. But he was leave and dodge, and there was no uh, turning back. I did as I, I was doing some other, I teach seventh grade boys at First Baptist Church and found it great that this was part of our lesson as well. Tied in, I, as I was reading, I was like, whoa, I need to, need to mark this. But as we see, it is Psalms 139, 7 through 10. And this is David talking where he goes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me Will." will hold me fast. So, even at that point, you know, there, there's a, uh, an opportunity Jonah could have seen. He knew the Psalms as we, later in there, it, part of his prayer is in the Psalms. He knew the Psalms. Um, but right there, he, he should have known. He can't get away from God. God's going to be there. But he has, he has turned and... Uh, and left. So, what what kept Jonah from going to Nineveh? And we talked about the fear that was there. And we can say, oh, the scary people, you know. And there's some people that compare it to a Jew during um, during the Holocaust. If they were called to go uh, witness to Hitler, you know, would they have gone? And although there was some fear, um, I the the fear isn't what kept him from it. It was his patriotism and him, his belief that I don't want them to have your grace. And we see that later throughout the book of Jonah. So it's, um, he knew that God would show them mercy. He says it, see, this is why I didn't want to go. Um, in there. So 
we can, sometimes we're like that. We don't, I think, ah, they sure deserve what's coming to them, you know? Um, so all that we can see why Jonah didn't want to go. Sometimes we can look at it and justify with him, with Jonah, why he didn't want to go. But we've got Jonah's example and kind of see what happens, so there's no reason for us not to go. We have the example in front of us, and we see God's mercy, and you know, we, we need to take that next step. Now, I don't, right now, I have not been called to go to Nineveh. And I don't know that any of you guys have been called to go to Nineveh yet. And I say yet because we don't know. But we all have been called to take the next step that God wants us to take. And that next step could be me teaching tonight at Open Door Fellowship. You know, it could be, you know, reaching out to your neighbor. You know, it, it could be a lot of things. And, you know, for me at one point it was I needed to pick up my Bible and read it a little more. Because that's, that's not where, where I was. You know, I went and played church. I did church. I was involved in church. I've gone like this through church, you know, my entire life. But I had not grasped God and taken that next step. And so for each of us, we need to look at what is that next step. Because our Tarshish, although Jonah took Tarshish, and that was a long trip, right? Our Tarshish isn't that far. Our our Tarshish starts with one day not opening our Bible. You know, it can be a, oh, my college buddies are getting together. They're all going to be in town. We're going to hang out. We're going to go away for the weekend. You know, it could be a girl's night out. I'll pick on the ladies too, guys. I won't throw us all under the bus. It could be any of those things that pull us and separate us from God. And very quickly... Um, we'll see how Jonah, who was a prophet, he turns from God, runs, and gets on the ship. And here in a minute, we're going to talk about where he was on that ship and what was happening when all the sailors were freaking out. Because he had turned from God and then slowly forgot about God. And for me, reading my Bible is not the easiest thing in the world. But if I missed yesterday... It's a little easier to miss today. Wednesday, it's even easier. Thursday, it starts to collect dust. Friday, I don't know where it is. Saturday, it's still sitting there. Sunday morning, I get up. Oh, it's time for church. Where's my Bible? And I don't know where it is. And that's, a, that's an example of, of how we get caught headed to our own Tarshish. Um, on there. So the he found a ship. Sometimes we will, something happens, and we're like, oh, that's God. You know, in this case, he's like, I'm turning from God, I'm running from, he gets down there, and there's actually a ship there. So did Jonah think, oh, God's got something else planned for me? I mean, we don't know what, I'm, I'm that is, that is the Bible. You know, I don't know that that's there, but, you know, he, you know, we don't know. We, we can, we're making stuff up on that. But what happens is once we make that turn from God, 
the devil can put something out in front of us that's going to pull us away. You know, like me, not opening my Bible. It could be something else. Oh, there's an interesting story about football. Oh, I'll go read that. Let me go get lost in my fantasy football. Let me go get lost in, I'm a sports fan, so it would be sports. Sports can pull me away really quick. So any of those things, and that's what happened. He found a ship because if this was a year's journey to Tarshish, that means those ships did not travel every day. So for that to be there and that to be timed out perfectly, it just happened to be there. And it was a perfect, you know, time for the devil to use that. And then the other, um, other part that was just a, a big deal to me is after paying the fare. See, any time we sin, any time we fall short of the glory of God, there is a cost. We may not know what it is, but Jonah paid his own fare. And when we're sinning, we pay the cost. But when we live by faith and go this way, God's paid it for us. He paid it with his son on the cross. So that's, that's where we have to look at. Cause sometimes we look at when we make a decision on faith, we may be costing ourselves something. Um, it may be you know a friendship or something along those lines. But that cost has already been paid. That has been paid, and we're, we're, living, we're living on grace at that point. Um, and that's where, once he pays it, he climbs on the ship and begins to enjoy his cruise and live by sight day after day. And as we move to verse 4, this is, um, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, the ship getting threatened to break, break up, these ships, I'm going to compare them to the Titanic, you know, the unsinkable ship. Now, we know what happened to the Titanic, but these ships were made to withstand storms. They weren't a little rowboat. It wasn't, you know, a little, little anything. These ships were made to handle these storms. And so when they talk about this storm, this is, this is a serious storm when they talk about it wanting to break up the ship because they, they were made for the long haul. At this point, Jonah is on the ship. Now, we don't have the timeline on is this the first day. You know, had Jonah been there a little while? Um, as I, as I kind of look at, you know, we don't know. But Jonah is no longer hearing the call of God. Jonah, for us, I don't have my Bible because if I'm not reading the Bible, I'm not hearing God's voice. I'm not feeding the Holy Spirit that can can allow me to hear what he has for me. I'm not feeding it anything. So Jonah has disconnected, you know, his cell phone died. He's not getting any messages. He doesn't know what's happening. And so God's like, well, this is the only way I can do it. Here comes a storm. And sometimes the only way we hear God is through the storm. Because when we're, once we've gotten gotten away, we're, we're only going to hear from the storm. And that's what... Um, that's what God sent, um, was that. In verse 5, we go and we hear, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Okay, so the first thing here 
the sailors were scared. These guys lived on the ocean. They lived in the sea, and they're terrified. That means I'm going to be really scared. Because you, you know, around here, thunderstorm brews up. You guys ever had people around from other areas, you know, that may not have thunderstorms or tornado warnings? And what happens when you know, the KY3 map turns red, you know. We may get all nervous, and even even my wife is more nervous than some, but we still kind of go about our lives and just kind of stay glued and just get a connection. But you get somebody that's here from California, or we had friends that were here during the Joplin tornado that were from Minnesota, so they didn't deal with it nearly as much. And they're scared. Scared. You know, they're like, what? What's going on? What's happening? And I remember as a kid, I can't remember the year, but the World Series when there was an earthquake um, in the Coliseum, okay? Yeah, 89. That's what I was kind of thinking in there. So I remember that World Series, and I remember being terrified and saying to my older brother, do earthquakes come this way? Is that coming towards us? You know, because I knew about tornadoes. I knew about storms. But so they're scared. And we're going to, that's important as we go, we'll, we'll get down there. But they're, they are terrified. Yet as we'll see with Jonah, he's not as concerned about this storm. And I, I don't understand that because if he hadn't, he, it's not said that he was a sailor on the sea all the time, but he doesn't seem to care. Um, and they sent something was wrong. They knew this is not normal. And so they began praying to their God. See, when you're in a foxhole in the military, and I was not in the military, and I don't want to portray like I, I know this, but it's often said you'll never find an atheist in a foxhole. You'll never find one in a dogfight. They're, they're praying, and they want, they want something. They may not know who they're praying to, and that's what it says. These guys are all praying to their God. They each had their own. You know, it may have been a smorgasbord, just kind of pick and choose whatever you want. They had, a lot of times they worshipped the gods of the sea as sailors. And so that's, that's who they're praying to at that point. And they're, they're wanting relief from this storm. And they want something to happen. And then it says, they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So they're not just scared and terrified and like, what's going on? They're drawing, they're taking out all the stops. They're like, we are doing anything we can to survive this because this is serious. And they're taking their money and they're throwing it overboard. Okay? That's how they made their living was what they were delivering, right? And that's, that's, that's them paying their cost. See, so now we get into another cost, right? Because when we sin, those around us pay the cost too, right? And we know that even from scriptures. We go into Second uh, Samuel 12, verse 10. And this is after David has um, taken Bathsheba, and then he had um, her husband killed. And so we, we uh, see here, verse 10, Now therefore... The sword will never depart your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uri the Hittite to be your own. So there, there's one, and that's the one I, I think of often, that 
when we sin, it stays in our house. You know, Jesus, and, and I, I don't have the verses there, but where, um, you know, where it's talked about that it'll impact generation upon generation upon generation. We often see that, how sin will carry through a family. And this, this here is showing the cost of sin among, uh, among others. Um, now, as we continue there, um, no, yeah, and we come. So all that's happening, and and there continued in verse verse five. It says we get another but. So all this is going on, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell fell into a deep sleep. So in that same where we are talking about having people in town. There's a tornado warning going on. You know, many of them that could go to sleep, just go knock off on your couch and just think it's okay. No, they're probably, they're like, what's going on? All these warnings, this red, this is what's happening. I don't understand. So he is, he has separated himself so far from God. He is, the storm is meaningless to him. He doesn't even know he's in the storm. And I, I have been, in the storm, I've been there, and I've been living in sin, and I could always sleep well at night. See, when I was there, it didn't seem wrong. When I was doing what I wanted to do, it was okay for me to do it. And it was normal. And it was my life, and I was okay with it. And it didn't matter what what was going on around me. I, I was content and um, separated from God. So his message didn't, didn't mean something. Even inside that storm, um, we, can, we can get comfortable. I was, I was comfortable in that. And we can also draw the conclusion that that storm was nothing compared to what he felt about standing up to Nineveh. So he was, was willing to accept the storm. Um, Lot will look at that as a miracle that he was was able to sleep in that and that God allowed him to sleep um, as an example through this. In verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So even the captain's coming and going, Get up, come on, call your God. I don't know who your God is, but call him. We got to find out what's going on. Where's the problem? You know, this is not supposed to be happening and you're just sleeping? Are you crazy? What, what, how can you just sleep? And this was an all hands on deck scenario. And he slept. He just laid there. So, at this point, Jonah's not even seeing what his sin has caused to these other people. He didn't care. And we can get there. When we get deep into sin, we don't realize the sin that we're causing or the, the cost that we're putting on other people. You know, we pay the cost, we deal with it, and we, we move on. But we also have to look at how that's impacting others, and he was oblivious to it. In chapter 7, the sailors said to each other, Come, 
let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I've heard that lots before, and I'm like, I I didn't know what lots was. I thought it was something um, real biblical, real, you know, real unique. And I didn't, didn't bring one. But as I did some study on lots, um, it's a game of chance. It's flipping a coin. You know, and I didn't get anything specific what it may have been there, but that's what it is. Rolling dice. Where's it going to end up? And we all know we've probably done the, the test um, in school, in different science classes or math classes. What's the probability of this happening or that happening? That's what they use to determine who fault it was. Now, lots were a common practice by priest to settle conflict, you know, like what music to play during a worship service, you know, serious conflicts is what they, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what, I'm, I don't know what conflicts it were specifically, but they would, there are several times throughout the Bible it talks about them, but it, it was used to settle a conflict, and so we and people saw that as God, that chance that we look at it. If I were to flip a coin, we see it as chance. At that time, it was common that they are like, the lot has spoken, and the lot is truth, and we will believe what it says. So this was a time when God stepped in and said, I will make sure that lot says what I wanted to say. So these men know who has caused this calamity on the boat. And the lot comes up to Jonah. Um, no one, no one argued them. It was thought that they came from God, which I found interesting because each had their own God. So whose God was it they were listening to? I'm not sure, but this one came from the God. This one came from the one and only. Um, and so this is an example of a miracle, you know, inside this book. Um, and in verse eight, it goes on to say, "So they asked him." Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So they want to know the history of him. How you're, you're somebody important. This is all coming on you. You've done something serious and what's happening. And I, I just can't imagine being Jonah sitting there and being like, Oh, this is going to get ugly. You know, oh, do I tell him who I really am? Do I make, you know, I mean, I I don't know what he's thinking through, but as if putting me in those shoes, it's like, where do you go with this? Um, And his answer surprised me because, you know, he's turned from God this whole time, right? His responses have always been to turn away from God, to run from God. And that's what he's continued to do. But now he's put there, and now, you know, he's taking a stand. And he doesn't just say, I serve God. I'm a Hebrew, you know. Because that's not all he is. He's a prophet of the one true God. And, you know, and today it's a big deal. He's a child of the one true king. And these are all other ways we can say it, but in in the verse here, he answered, I am Hebrew, I worship the Lord, 
the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So he doesn't stutter men's words. He stands up and says, I serve, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now, these guys all worship gods of the sea, right? So, he's saying, I worship the God that created the sea. I'm sorry, I win. You know, he, he stands there and goes, I, I, you know, like I said, that he's Hebrew and who he worships. Sometimes we don't do that, you know. I, I worship God, I, you know, I serve God, I'm... I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Methodist, I'm this, I'm that. You know, we'll say those things. But he didn't, he didn't just glance over it. We may say, I'm a Christian. You know, he, he went right to the heart of it and to make sure there was no mistakes who he served and who, you know, that he was for the name on the front of the chest, not on the back of the jersey. And that was... To me, that, that was a testimony right there. And he's, he's standing up. So in verse 10, you know, at this point, you can kind of think about these sailors. They're like, eh, whoa, this, what's this guy talking about? God that created the sea, what are we doing? So verse 10, he said, this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Um, they asked, what have you done? And they, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So they realized he had to have done something, you know, something serious at that point. And they're, they're scared because they realize, all right, you're, whatever you've done, we're, we're struggling. Um, and we need to fix this. So at this, uh, in verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? So they're already realizing, you know, at this point, they're asking, what have you done? You're running from God. You've upset God. Okay, what do we need to do to you? You know, now they're kind of, this point I look at it, that they're, they're turning on Jonah to a certain extent. You know, what do we do to you? How can we get out of this? Because... You're serving a big God that we don't understand. Our gods don't do this. This is a big God, and he is taking serious action on you, which is impacting us. What do we need to do? They're asking at that point how to be saved. They're reaching out like, this, you know, they're hearing the message. They're hearing it loud and clear. They may be hearing it actually louder than Jonah is at this point. God's using Jonah, even through his turmoil, God's using him and his running to reach these sailors. So they're turning and they're like, you got something we, we need right now. So in verse 12... Jonah says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He is at that point, he's not throwing himself into the sea. 
you know, he's he's not gonna commit suicide, but he he's there stating, "I've sinned against my God, and how this is fixed is you need to throw me overboard. Let's get this over with." And he wasn't, you know. Could there have been another response there? Maybe turn the ship towards Nineveh. You know, who knows what else we could have, what else he could have said. But he, he's what he is doing is he is saying, I have sinned and fallen short, and you need to throw me overboard. Now, um, some can look at throwing him overboard. Was he thinking of just an easy out for him? He didn't know that fish was going to come and get him. It was an easy out. But he was, um, he was willing, you know, you could say he's willing also to be the, the sacrifice for the sailors at that time. But in verse 13, we get instead. So they didn't do what Jonah said. They didn't, you know, they decide to do something different. said, instead the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder before. This verse 13, that's where I go back. They say America is not in the Bible. But verse 13 is America. Because we do it the American way and we can work our way through anything, right? It's like you say I've got to do this and I need to, I need to deny, deny myself daily to, um, to serve the Lord every day. But, you know, I can go and I can work my way there, right? I don't have to do all that, do I? Isn't that what they're saying? They're like, we're just, we're, we can, we'll bulk up, we'll man up, and we're, we're going to push our way to shore, and we're going to make it through here. And, and they realize they can't do it, because it doesn't matter how hard we work without God on our side, without God with us, we're not moving the boat. So we get to verse 14. And I just see these guys exhausted. They've tried everything in their power. And they have become helpless. They are where we need to be when we begin to deny ourselves to Christ. When we sit down and go, Lord, I can't do it. We've got to live fully in faith. And which is hard in our society sometimes. We've got it pretty easy, you know, comparatively. We we think we can do it on our own. But these guys had gotten to a point they were broken. They've given everything they got trying to fight this storm. They find out it's this guy's fault. He says, throw me overboard. They're not willing to do that because... If he's a prophet of God and, you know, he's, God's this mad over him being on there. What if we kill him? What is he, you know, what, then what wrath do we have? So in verse 14, they're broken and they say, Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And although this is reversed, 
you know, um, I, I picture what's, what's happening when Jesus is going up on the cross there. And an innocent man is being shed for our sins today, many, many years ago. But these guys are scared and they fear and revere the Lord at this point. And they say, please don't hold us accountable for this. We're not killing this man for our own good, but we don't know what else to do. So we're putting our faith in you that you will not um, will not judge us is what's happening there. So Luke, we see a similar... Um, situation in Luke eight twenty two through twenty five, and this is when Jesus and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. Um, do that every time. Go to chapter twenty two instead of chapter eight. So. Um, So, in this, one day Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. So we've got another parallel. Jonah's asleep in the boat. Jesus is asleep in the boat. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Verse 24. The disciples went to him saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he asked his disciples, where is your faith? Here we're looking at where the sailor's faith is. Now they don't know everything about God. All they know is what they've what they've seen transpire over the last several hours, days. I don't know how long this storm is going on. But they're there, and they're putting their faith in God. And then they, look, they took Jonah, in verse 15, then they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. That's what Jesus does for us. See, he got up on that cross and he made the sea go calm for us. He made it go calm for me. See, when I take and take that step towards God, when I take the next step of faith that God's asked me to to do, his grace makes the storm go calm in my life. And that's exactly where, what God showed these sailors at that point. He, they throw Jonah overboard, and immediately, whoosh, it's calm like Table Rock Lake at 6 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing better. He's, his grace is so great. that we can't even fully comprehend it. 
but I think this is a perfect picture of that storm that's that's billowing inside of of us. We're sinners daily, and we've got to deny ourselves and accept that grace into our life daily to be able to um, to serve Him and live fully for Him. Um, And so when, when this happens, we begin to take our first steps of faith once we have decided to calm that storm. And that's where, where these, men, these men are. Now here, you know, it's, a lot of times the first step is it's called in the, um, in the gospel, you know, we'll follow, follow him in baptism. We'll take that step to be baptized as Jesus was baptized. Um, as a symbol of his blood washing away our sins. And here we see in verse 16, at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And I do, feared is used a lot, feared uh, a lot of times that the Bible is, there's, there's fear that we think of when we're afraid to do something. We use the word fear. There's you know, the fear that a lot of people to stand and talk in front of people um, will keep them from doing it. But this this isn't the fear. This is a reverent fear. This is, you know, they're making vows to God. And when else do we hear, we talk about vows, we, we talk about our marriage vows. We talk about um, vows are deep commitments that are not just lightly broken. These guys have been turned to the Lord And as I read this, this is chapter 1. This story of Jonah could have ended right here. I really, God used this, this chapter, and we watch how Jonah is running from God, as, as many times we do, and God is still using Jonah the entire time. And he saved a boat full of sailors, and if Jonah had sunk to the bottom of the sea, there would have been a message in that. But as we know, the story doesn't end here. And even as big as we see God's graces on these sailors, we see, as we get into the next chapter, that a fish swallows Jonah. And it keeps on moving till we get to Nineveh again. So that is the grace that God has. He doesn't just give us a little bit. It's, it's not like we're supposed to eat dessert these days. You know, he gives you the entire dessert buffet ten times over. And we've got that grace daily, and we have to take those steps of faith. And just wherever you are, we're all in a different place. I hope maybe some of you guys are ready to be called the Nineveh. You know, I can't tell you, you know, I can't tell you what that next step is. Only that's something between you and the Holy Spirit and what's going on. And that's what I've taken from Jonah as I've been studying is to take that very next step. So at that I will, um, it's where I kind of end with Jonah.